It's a Daily Talk Show episode 457. This is a bit of a different one. We're in Sydney with Richard Wilkins. Why is, why is this significantly different? Well, Richard, we don't usually do them from the bar and you've been kind oh. enough to invite us uh, to your home and let us in. And um, Josh... Only because I'm lazy enough to <laughs> go anywhere else. Also, Josh doesn't usually drink red wine on the show. Is this a first? Well, yeah, this is... I've only ever had... We always get confused between mimosas and samosas, which is the drink. <laughs> Mimosa is the drink. Samosa both, is the but, Indian food. But, yeah, for, correct. Yeah, okay. And they're both dreadful, but that's a peanut. <laughs> so I had a we had a samosa once in LA on a show. Oh. So do we cheers? Like, is it weird? Oh, I reckon we cheers. Yeah, okay, great. We're at the bar. Yeah. Well, yours is water. Right. Yeah, uh, cheers. Mine, mine, not cheers. so much. We're cheers, meant to like make cheers. eye contact as well when of we course. do it. And, okay. Uh, Richard, who else mm. is uh, aside from us? Uh, which is probably your worst guest, but who's been someone that you've had here that um, that you've really enjoyed? You want me to drop names? Of yeah. course. <laughs> well, let me just say the most recent thing I did here with cameras and microphones, although we actually had microphone stands, which is, <laughs> we brought, is something you might want to look into. We, we brought one step. We bought a stand right. yesterday specifically for in case Richard wants a stand. No, and we, we panicked and didn't even ask if you wanted it. <laughs> uh, well, the last person to sit, I think he sat there, was Sam Neill. And Brian Brown stood there making cocktails. Um, as he has done in the past. Yeah. Cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, talking about their new movie, Palm Beach. So they were the last um, names. <clears throat> there we go. Um, to drop a couple who were in the spa. Um, what, just firstly, what's your favourite cocktail? What, what is the go-to in the bar here? Oh, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a G&T guy, really. There are a few gins there that you, you pick up around the world, you know, going through a duty-free here and there. I picked up a couple in the, coming through Dusseldorf Airport earlier this year. Um, and you put them up there and you think, oh, save that for a special occasion. And then of course, one night comes along and you empty the whole damn thing. But no, I, I do like my gins and I like trying them out. I, I discovered a few, well, I decided a few years ago that the tonic was the stuff that actually did the damage because there's more sugar in tonic mm. water. Than, oh, there is, than there is in oh, Coca-Cola. Really? There's no good. So if you're doing alcohol so, on a diet, what should you well, be just, having? Well, just get rid of the additives, you know, just have sort of gin and gin and gin yeah. and, and tonic. <laughs> is that, uh, can, we, can we mention your car, uh, Rego Plate? Well, it's not, it's, that's not mine, it's, it's my not, partner's. Okay. Whose name is Virginia uh -huh. and whose nickname is Gin. <laughs> but also oh, obviously really? your favourite drink. Which well, and she had the car and the number plate before she met me. So, oh, so it's just serendipity. Synergy, we, serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> we met your son Christian on the way in. He mm. has a podcast also. Richard, you've been in the uh, I guess TV landscape for thirty plus years now. What what have you? What's your observation of these new mediums coming up? You know, podcasting wasn't around thirty years ago. Wow. Well, firstly, I'm very, very proud of Christian because um, he's nominated for an ACRA Award, Australian Contemporary uh, Commercial, Commercial Radio, Radio Awards. Um, in you know, way down the list in best podcast, he's up against Hamish and Andy and all that sort of stuff. And it's something that was his idea, and he did it himself, and he went and pitched it, and he's been renewed for a second season. And you know, it's a big deal. And now he was so excited the day he came bounding and said, "Dad, I've been nominated for an ACRA Award." You know. I've, I've won a couple of them, two of them, that, that, and I know how special that felt. Mm. You know, so for him to do that of his own accord, um, I was, I'm so proud because the nomination is everything, and after that, it's a lottery, really. Mm -hmm. But um, so I'm very proud. But yeah, you're right. Podcasts didn't exist when I started. 
Hell, electricity had only just begun. <laughs> but gin was invented. Gin, gin would be going for a long Gin got a head start. Uh, do you have a favourite in regards to mediums? Is TV versus radio, do you, do you have a favourite? Oh, well, you know, television. I sort of grew up in the early, at the risk of sounding incredibly old. But, you know, when I was a kid, not every house had a television set. And I never really, I don't think, did the cliche thing of peeping through the neighbours' windows, but it wasn't far away from that. You know, they were in shop windows, obviously, in black and mm. white. And it was, it was huge. It was new. It was exciting. And I loved the idea of television right from the start. But music was my thing. You know, I grew up playing in bands and played the violin. Um, I was, you know, first violinist in the school orchestra and, you know, head chorister in the school choir and blah, blah, blah. So music was in my blood. And I got a music scholarship to go to a Toffee Boys boarding school in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, it was when the Beatles kind of came along in the mid-60s that my, you know, trained ears picked up and I, I knew it wasn't just about the, the haircuts and the screaming girls. There was really something significant happening in, in the music land. So it was music that I loved and got into. And then after playing in bands and stuff, I, I started singing on television a couple of times in New Zealand. And when I brought my band over here, it was the big land of opportunity. Mm. And I saw, and I just told everyone I spoke to that I wanted to work in television. And I did a couple of little bits and pieces, but when that MTV opportunity came up, I just grabbed it with both hands. I auditioned along with, I think, every actor and model and DJ in Australia and was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. So television was uh, the thing for me. Yeah, I always wanted to work in television and um, so it came to pass. Do you have an interesting perspective on Australia, being, spending so much time speaking to international people? I guess the MTV example... Uh, they were doing it in the US, it was a proven concept. When they brought it here, was it sort of a, a different version? Well, yeah, it was very much an experiment because um, we were the first spin-off, if you like, outside the United States. MTV was going gangbusters, it revolutionised the music industry. Suddenly it wasn't just about the music you were making, it was about the way you looked and you know the, the video clip and all that. Bands like, you know, In Excess or at the and Crowded House yeah. were at the forefront of all that, and bang, there was a whole new ball game. Um, but yeah, when we came, Mr. Packer, Kerry Packer, came back from a, as I understand it, a sort of a program buying spree, um, and bought a whole lot of stuff from Viacom, and announced to the the bosses at Channel Nine, we've got this thing called MTV as well, because. Back in the day, television used to finish at 10 or 11 at night, way before when you guys were, before you were twinkles in your <laughs> dad's eyes. But yeah, the, single, the signal would cut. Is that what it yes. was? Yes. Yeah. Channel and 7 radio. had yeah. a guy, you know, standing down on the rock somewhere singing Freddie Leonati or someone was going, that's not right, but had this great song, My City of Sydney. And, you know, when he sung that song, bang, it was back to the test pattern. Um, so Mr. Packer being the revolutionary and pioneer that he was, he figured this would be nice cheap programming, let's just throw MTV on at night and it's got all these music videos and things from America, what could possibly go wrong? But of course, they then realised that given the release dates and clearances and rights and whatnot, that we would have to produce our own version here. I read about it in the paper and told um, my uh, agent, who was at the time Russell Crowe's agent you know about it she said oh, Russell wants to go for that too so I remember we both went up and auditioned and, and for, you got uh, it 
Yeah, I, I, Russell still pays me out. He's <laughs> mate, I became an you know, international Oscar-winning successful movie star. <laughs> Diggy became a TV star in Australia. You know, suck shit, pal. <laughs> uh, it was very bare bones, MTV, to what it has become or did become. Well, I disagree with that. Um, you know, we, I think we raised the bar significantly. You know, prior Countdown had had its, you know, time, dare I say. You know, Countdown was revolutionary when it started, but... We came on air on the 16th of April, 1987, mm. and, um, you know, we had a nice big studio set in at Channel 9, and we had the advantage of all those bumpers, you know, the play-ons yeah. and play-offs, mm. the, the biggest stars in the world saying, I want my MTV. So we had a... It was a pretty... You know, I mean, it was, was, in the sense of it was just music. You look at MTV now, well, and it's just yeah, very hard yeah. to so find... So sitting, sitting together on a couch to how it's like... I mean, they're just taking it crazy now. I guess time's... Yeah, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of MTV of late. I mean, mm. I think there was a time when MTV in the States didn't play a lot of music. It was, mm. you know, all... But we, yeah, we were sort of running on a smell of an oily rag, but we had that, those production um, qualities and those assets that we could use that, that really gave it a pretty good look. And then when we couldn't afford to do big budget productions of bands you know we we did stripped down versions i wanted to call it live in the in the in the props bay but someone else we didn't call it that but mtv america liked what we did and they called it unplugged mm. so we were sort of the pioneers of that i'm pretty proud of most of the stuff we did back uh, back in the day we did mtv for s- six years to the day the energy of you know landing that role and what you would have brought to it as you know fresh-faced tv host to what it is now and the longevity of your career what's what's stayed there what things do you think have fueled that along the way to keep keep going well i thought i was i you know i felt very comfortable slipping into that role because i'd always you know we had to write our own well i had to write my own scripts which i was happy doing i I love writing you know i've got a fair old music knowledge i've played in bands i've played in orchestra so i had i think you know i've known the music industry from a lot of different perspectives and angles so i I felt the only thing I hadn't done a lot of was, you know, talking to a camera. And nowadays when people, you know, try to embarrass me by playing some of those old clips, I'm talking at the very... And here we go now, that was, that was the new video from Crowded House coming up. We've got Fine Young Cannibals, this is MTV. You know, it was like, just slow down, dude. You know, yeah. so I was very excited and in hindsight quite nervous. And I, you know, but I guess that's experience. Well, didn't you have to worry about the teleprompter catching on fire back then? Well, I don't know if I... Did I have a teleprompter in those days? But I remember when I started doing bits and pieces for the Today Show. Um, yeah, the teleprompter these days is all, you know, I, I can sit in my dressing room at, you know, 7.30 and be typing stuff in there and it goes straight in there and bang, I can walk on the set and mm. there can't, it is. Can't blame I've someone taken. else for a spelling mistake yeah. no. when you do it yourself, right? No, but, and, and also, you know, I like to say what I've written. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you're right. In the old days... They, um, the, the was, um, it was all sort of typed onto paper, which used to wow. go through, and there was, a, I guess, a camera underneath there that sort of spat it out onto something that, and then the, the camera in front of it had a, a mirror at a, a, at a 45 degree angle. Mm. So it shot up there, and then you do it like that. But on occasions, if you sort of pause too long and the paper had stayed over the heat for too long, you could actually see your your script catching on fire in front of your very eyes, which was quite exciting. Ben Fordham (laughs) speaks highly, and I've heard other people uh, of your work ethic and and how how much time you spend, and I can imagine that it's something you need to love the process. Do do you love the process of 
TV? It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a hobby. You know, this is what I this is what I do. Um, I always say it's more of a you know, it's more of a lifestyle than a job. You know, my phone is always on. I'm always you know talking to people and finding out what's happening and I like to be up with what's going on and you know it's it's not competitive but there are other people out there at various networks and you know you want to get the big interview you want to get the stories um, so how do you deal with com- competition then how do you, how do you uh, reconcile it how do you well you know there are, there have been Molly and I were sort of fierce competitors back in the day. You know, we'd be battling each other for that, you know, Rod Stewart interview and stuff. Uh, I think I'm less competitive these days. Ange- Angela Bishop, who's, who's, you know, the entertainment person at Channel 10, she's a, is a dear friend. She lives a couple of streets away here, and she calls it the entertainment precinct. You know, we were both flying back on a plane from Los Angeles um, on uh, Saturday night. Yeah. I flew up there Saturday morning to speak to Olivia Newton-John. Spent the day with her and sort of went up and back in the same day. And Ange had been up there a couple of days. But, you know, she was, she was. I said, what have you been doing? She said, set visit. I said, can't say. I said, okay. She said, what were you doing? I said, Olivia. Goes to her Tuesday, you can't beat me. So, so you know, it's, um, and of course, you know, Sunrise on, on Channel 7. Um, Edwina's a lovely person. She does their entertainment. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we all find ourselves in the same place on a number of occasions, mm. sitting in the same sort of green room, waiting to talk to whoever's, to Bono or whoever's yeah. you know, there. And there's a, there's a great camaraderie. Um, and I've always said that, you know, we'll, we'll play the ball, but never play the man. And I've, that's an adage that I've um, espoused right through, or espoused right through my career. You Do know, you like sport? That's a sporting analogy. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, but I think it's a good one. Yeah, it's great. You know, you'll, you'll tackle the show and you'll try to beat them with something. But I, I've never put shit on any of my competitors. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, with the media consumption through Facebook, Instagram, all these things, I think it can be distracting. We're looking left and right at everyone around us, which I know that I've felt a bit you know, anxious when I'm not in the position I want to be. And so it, there's a lot of noise happening. Was this something when, you know, the 10 years into your career, is this something, was there, it, was it more noisy for you then or, and less so now? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, in the early days, you're just going at a thousand miles an hour and, you know, you never smell the rose. As I said, MTV went for, for, for six years to the day. We did two, three year deals. Until the time when MTV wanted to do their, have their own channel here, you know, um, the, the, the Foxtel was up and running. So, what was the difference then? So, was did so did Nine own Channel Nine MTV? owned MTV back in the for six years mm-hmm. owned, owned the rights to broadcast a program called MTV, which, ah, which was okay. basically, in hindsight, a sort of a late night rock and roll entertainment show. And were they only licensed? Was it always the plan that? it was eventually going to... I don't think there was a long-term plan. And mm-hmm. I, well, there was a three-year plan. Let's yeah. do this for three years. I've got the poster up or something. I want yeah. my MTV starts April 16th, Channel 9. So it was a Channel 9 production. But Viacom had given a license? Yes. And then did they take take that back and start doing it themselves? Is what happened? We did two three-year deals at which time. Um, it was a kind of a clunky marriage too, to be honest. You know, when mm. Wimbledon came on, MTV sort of went off, and yeah. you know, so. Um, but but yeah, pay TV was was up and running, and MTV naturally wanted 
to do their own channel, which they did. I think I think for a lot of people, uh, work can be blurry when it comes to friendships. You know, you develop all these mate, people and mates at work. I mean, you deal with some of the biggest names in the world where you're on a very personal basis with them chatting back and forth. Is there, I mean, have you developed really close friendships with people that you end up on the red carpet? Or is it like that when you're working in an office and you're like, oh, there's John? Um, look, I've never sort of sought to befriend people. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of an art of... The red carpet is, is just like a, a zoo, really. <laughs> well, I call it a moving... You know, it's like a tsunami of, of superstars, really. Yeah. You, you, you're just grabbing something and, you know, editing it all up together so it looks, looks fantastic. But there's no opportunity on a red carpet to strike up a friendship at yeah. all. But, um, but, you know, I've, I've made friends with a few people, but I've never sort of deliberately thought, gee, I'd love to... Be mates with this person but yeah, yeah I've, you know people like michael buble keith keith urban nicole um several i don't want to sit in necessarily <laughs> dropping names but cindy cindy lauper i first met cindy in japan um but i think that's why know, i ask because yeah. it is and it's an unusual like you're in a unique position where yeah. it's it's yeah. just what you do but if someone sits there and is nice to you for 20 minutes half an hour it, it doesn't Everyone's doing their job. Oh, yeah. I'd add them on Facebook personally. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to say, oh, well, let's catch up and have lunch next Thursday. <laughs> Top friends on my iPhone. <laughs> yeah. uh, ben Fordham was telling us a story about how... Uh, Benny and I have become good friends. Yeah, I mean, he talks so highly of you. And it's one of those... Uh, you it tends for, to exaggerate. Now, but for, from a, for an international audience uh, who isn't familiar with the Australian media landscape, you are Australian royalty. Oh, well, yeah. And so I think that, like, you know, Dignitary, that's... Mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the difference. <laughs> nah. the, um, uh, but uh, Benny was telling us a, a story about you being on the phone. I guess this plays into the getting the exclusive and the friendship where you were saying, oh, you get, you get a call, you pick it up. Oh, hey, Robbie. Oh, really? Oh, no. Oh, fuck. You're allowed to swear on this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Welcome yeah. to the internet. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was Robbie w- Williams. And um, do you recall this one? It's got the best initials in the business, our Robbie. Mm. There's a picture of him up there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I love Robbie a lot. You know, he's had a. What, uh, I'm trying to think what the story is. Uh, it had something to do with a baby. Oh, yeah, there was that. Um, <laughs> no, Robbie's a lovely fella, and you know, we've, we've crossed paths a thousand times, and you know, I've introduced him at Arias and things and in fact I remember the first MTV Europe awards I went to um, see with Michael Hutchins well there's another one um, <laughs> and and some other people and all the, the French um, transport people had done the big shutdown no one does a strike like the French so no one could get out of town I remember you two guys were there and they were all going to charter a bus up to Belgium and try and fly up for there and the Bon Jovi guys didn't know what they were going to do but John's wife, Dorothea, was quite happy because she said, I'll just go show- shopping for a couple of days. But no one could get out of town. And Robbie was there. He'd just left Take That. And I think that was the first time I met him. He was enjoying the, the, the first fruits of being a solo star. But we've crossed paths many, many times. And I like him enormously and, and respect him and see, see him for all his, all his talents and all his sort of flaws and see the difficulties that he's been through and all the triumphs as well. And we've had some great times and nights out but yeah there was one time when I heard that he he and he and his beautiful wife had just had a um a new bub and I sent him a little note mate thanks uh, congratulations you know wonderful happy days you know love to all and he, he sent me a note back saying yeah um 
Yeah, I think we're going to call. I forgot the name. There was a child, <laughs> Ch- 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 uh, or something. Um, he said, "We're going." I said, "Oh, great." So I sent send out a tweet. You know, hey, congrats, <laughs> congrats to the, you know, uh, the Robbie and the family for blah 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 blah. And and he he did call me back and he said. Mate, we, we hadn't actually announced that, but I guess you did that for us. So I, oh, did he at least retweet it? Oh, no, I don't think he did. No, I was actually mortified because, you know, unwittingly, yeah. I tried to do something nice and it, it sort of blew up on well, the face. Well, I actually did the, the business. I right? did the same thing with Jules Lund, but I just don't have a following. So <laughs> I mentioned that he'd had a baby. But um, Jules Lund, I'm sure you, you've worked together at the Nine Jules, Network. Yeah, I love Jules. Jules is that person for me that um, I can single-handedly say has been the most influential on my career and pushing me to where I'm going. Um for you, is there someone that you could single-handedly say, that person, I'm sure there's a bunch of others, which, you know, for me there are a few others, but Jules really is that person that, have, that has helped me. No, no, I've, I mean, I've looked at a lot of people and noticed the way they've done things and navigated situations, but, you know, I wasn't really, there was no one there who I was going, okay, I want to follow in that person's footsteps because, you know, I was, as I saw it and see it was sort of sailing uncharted waters you know what I was doing this was the growth of the television that I sort of when I came along in the 80s television was still a, a major growth industry these days I guess with you know so many with the internet and so many other streaming services oh, and what yeah. you guys are doing and the, the pie is sort of shrinking and everybody's mm-hmm. sort of trying to hang on to what they got but you know that I realized that it was a great opportunity and if I could you know be good at what I do I've just tried to be good at what I do the best that I can be at what I'm trying to do. Um, that that's that's all I can do. So mm. I've you know I've worked really hard and had some wonderful time. Am having some wonderful times. Yeah. Um, you know. I think uh, people with great worth work ethic could also be in the category of people who are hard on themselves about the work they do. Is that is that you? Oh, it's a bit like me. Yeah, I, I'm. I remember flying back from speaking to Olivia, as I mentioned on, on the weekend, and I was just I was kicking myself all the way back. Um, there was one question I wished I'd asked her. That I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, I'll, she she watches. <laughs> she'll, she'll, um, but you know, yeah, I, I am a bit hard on, and, and I'll always remember. You know, you always sort of think about that thing mm. rather than. And there was one when we went to Jamaica for the launch of the Bond movie. You know, I was, and we did have the exclusive with Daniel Craig and all that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I went to Michael Parkinson in London recently, did a special with him. Went to Maastricht for, Huli, uh, for, for Andre Ryu. And, um, you know, I've done, I get to do a lot of kind of cool things. So how do you antidote it? If it or, well, I'm or always you... hard on myself. I go, ah, oh, jeez, I wouldn't you know, see the photo. I go, couldn't you have smiled? Or you, know, <laughs> or you watch it back and you think, oh, mate, come on. You know. Do you watch back your stuff much? I, I don't sit there pouring over it, but... You know, when it goes to air, you yeah. say, you know, just did this and here it is. You know, went to Jamaica, went to Woodstock to, you know, recount the 50 years since since then. And you look at it and you think, why did I why did I wear that puffer jacket on national television? And someone <laughs> said, it was probably quite cold. Yeah, it was cold. And anyway, you know, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you are, because yeah, yeah. television is such a visual medium. And it's, as you get older, you've got to remember to you know, hold your gut and <laughs> smile a bit Activate more. Activate core. Yeah, I mean, my core isn't. I'm very, very <laughs> much struggling. Right? No, I'm struggling. You're sweating right? in this. Must no, be quite I'm hot. fine. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, 
the visual thing, like I, I'm very much someone who has fluctuated in weight and things like that. The TV medium, does it put the extra pressure on you from that sort of aesthetic or personal? I should probably let it put more pressure on me than it actually does. Um, you know, over the years, people have given me crap about my hair, which, is, great which is fine. I, I, thank you very much. Mate, look at your son Christian. Yeah. That's some well, seriously that, great that's hair too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've always had, my hair grows so much, I get a cut every 10 days, I guess. It's like bamboo. Yeah, yeah but like, it is like that. It's very <laughs> upsetting though, because that's the dream. That's, equi- <laughs> that's the equivalent of someone saying like, I can't put on weight. It's going, go fuck yourself. No, <laughs> people give me shit. Um, <laughs> what do they, they say? What do they actually say? Oh, I don't know. I think, and, <laughs> do I've, they really? and I've had people like Phil Collins and he's done skits and stuff about my, but, but I, they're projecting. You actually, got great hair. Actually, no one, no one could care less about my hair than I do, and that's probably yeah. the problem because I get out of bed. And well, sort is of it that a funny fact? People care more about things than what? Oh no, sorry, it's the other way. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, yeah, yeah we don't we, care. Well, I get up in the morning, I throw my black jeans on, put a white shirt on, which is hanging up nicely in my dressing room at Chell and I put a jacket on and a tie. They like they like me wearing a tie these days, which is fine. Um, but you know, I think it's it's much it's much harsher on on the women on mm. television. You know, the mm. people that we work with, as you know, Carl famously displayed a couple of years ago when he wore the same suit for a year. Um, no, no one can ever rat out. No one mentioned your white shirt. No, no one, <laughs> um, well, it was a different white shirt. Uh, but you know, I think that said it all. That was a really yeah. powerful thing that he did. Um, mm. Whereas the so you know the the girls get so much crap. You know, yeah. mm. you know, where'd you get that dress from? Such and such. Well, don't get any more stuff from there. And yeah. and they get a lot of nice compliments as well. But you know, it's a, the journalist just doing a job. But yeah. you have to do all this other stuff as well. well how, do you, how do you deal with, I mean, there's been huge changes. There's been everything from the Me Too movement. All of that stuff has gone through the entertainment industry, I guess, in a big way. Having seen uh, the whole journey, seen it from the 30 years and seeing what was acceptable then to what it is today, how do you reconcile it? Well, I think it's vast, really. Mm. And it's only when you look back at sort of old movies. I watched Blazing Saddles on a... So this is great. Ice machine. I've always wanted to have an ice machine, and I have got one, which is very noisy. No, Um, it's it's great. How often does it make ice? You know, whenever it needs to. Good (laughs) ice. Good ice. Very good ice. Filter water. Do you have filtered sort of? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Richard, do you mind if I grab the soda? No, 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 no. Go for your No, Blazing Saddles. It's probably before your time. I don't even know when it was out, but but it is so racist and. You know, oh, misogynist, and God, it's just, and yet it was a big hit. Mel Brooks, you know. Um, Did you have that lens at the time? Like, would you say, oh, that's a racist film, or was it just. No, I don't think so. I think it was, I think it was very, I think we've come a a long way in a quite short space of time without necessarily realizing it. Mm -hmm. I think we only maybe realize it now when the pendulum's starting to swing the other way, Mm -hmm. and we're all going, wow, is this, you know, is this petty PC overcorrectness? which I think that there is a fair bit of. But mm. I think we're all, certainly in the broadcasting medium, I think we're all far more mindful of, of what you say, and, or more so what you don't say, what and, if- and how you couch you know, terms and things. Um, yeah. Because you know, when you're live on air for several hours a day, you know, there's, there are an enormous number of landmines there that you could potentially mm. be standing on. Mm. I mean, swearing's one. That's why you probably, it's a filter, never swear, and yeah. so when you swear on this... Well, when, when you walk into a television studio and you've got a... Well, as soon as you've got a microphone on, you know, rule one is you never swear. Or, 
say th- <laughs> bad things about the boss. You know, <laughs> not that you'd say those anyway, no. but, but you know. No, what I, mean. no I think I think things have changed. You know, you just look at the stand-up comedians and you know the stuff that ostentatious and Vince Sorrenti and those early days of stand-up and. And, and the comedy scene right around Australia, you know, Rodney Rood, you know, Rodney Rood couldn't be Rodney Rood today. Mm. You know what I mean? Christian's heading off, I think. Where are you going, Waving goodbye. Oh, I okay. know where he's going. Okay. He's got to shoot, photos. he told me. Oh, he's he's got to shoot. And he he's said he shoot. might be late, so... He... Okay. Bye, darling. Uh, in terms of uh, seeing this landscape change, what, what have the TV stations made, you know, set in stone as far as rules? Obviously... There's well, some obvious, but... Well, they don't sit us down and go, okay, children, today, you know, we're not allowed to say bugger on it. No, there's, no, there's nothing like that. I mean, there's the code of ethics that as a journalist you're required to read and you've got to know <coughs> when things are assertions or allegations and when they're fact and what, what you can say so that you don't get the network into trouble so that it could potentially lose its licence or anything like that. You have to, There are legal requirements for anyone going on air and saying anything that's potentially dangerous or inflammatory but I just think it's more the tone these days you know as to what what you say about women and ladies and blokes mm, and mm. you know it's just a, a, it's almost a different vernacular than it was 30 years ago what about bringing out snakes and you know you know things that are bringing a bit out snakes snakes as like if there's as a in like an actual python reptile comes out. Oh. <laughs> yeah I guess is that what see, you're talking about you have to call the, it Mr. Reptile <laughs> bringing out a reptile well, or Mr. Reptile sorry <laughs> you know when um, there you go see yeah. what I mean Steve Irwin bitten live on on um, camera you know oh, so just like, like insurance these, and yeah, shit people how getting much a bit more you're talking about dying on it. Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, getting well, hurt have, on camera. Well, we have to sign, um, you have to sign a, a form these days when you do anything that, you know, is dangerous. I mean, we did a, there was a stunt just a couple of months ago where Sonia Kruger and I were parked on top of this thing where we had those crusty demons flying us, oh, yeah. flying over us and doing loops on, I wasn't fond of that at all. But of course, someone comes around with a clipboard and says, Diggy, you need to sign this. And you go, what is it? It's like. Well, we're not in trouble if you die. It's like, well, why would I sign that? Because you have to. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, you know, if that's what you Yeah, mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, is that a vast difference to 15 years ago, five years ago? How many no. stunts are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of motorbikes fly over me. You're the stunt reporter, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, the international side of things. So we, when you were talking about MTV, you were mentioning the fact that you had to create something different for the Australian market in regards to, I guess, um, what was available. Well, we wanted um, to. We didn't have to, but we yeah. wanted to reflect what was going on here. Mm. We didn't just want to, back to that conversation, didn't just want to flick that. Well, it was... Would never have happened, but we couldn't just flick the switch and play American MTV because half the acts Australians wouldn't know who they were, and we wanted to be playing, you know, Cold Chisel, yeah. NXS, Midnight, or. Is it changing know. though now? Is it is, is globalization happening based on people consuming, you know, things like social media and? I I, I don't I don't know how to answer that. Mm. Ask me the same question a different way. Yeah, uh, the... Oh, this is good. Uh, yeah, no, we love the pushback. Um, so I, I guess uh, when you're in Australia and you don't have access to things like the internet, the consumption might actually be more significant than today where uh, there's a lot more sort of uh, culture well, that's I, the same. I think I know what you're yeah. struggling to suggest. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I still bump into 
people, you know, who come up well-meaningly and say... I'm drunk, well, by the way. <laughs> half a glass of Pinot. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Absolutely. It's like, mate, which is lovely to see you, you know, you... You forged, you created my taste in music when I used to watch MTV all the time. And, you know, you forged my, my musical sort of understanding. And I, my first instinct is sort of, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, well, you should have aimed higher or something. But, you know, I guess there are a lot of people who, who did. You know, we were sort of an influential show. Mm. We, were, we were there 10.30 till 1.30, Friday and Saturday nights. Biggest stars in the world coming in live on the show, sitting on that comfy leather couch and you know we had access as I said to all the MTV news stuff around the world so we and we we got all the videos first and back mm. in those days you know we got a world premiere video from Ice House you know and it was a big deal for us yeah. to, to break stuff like that for the first time in the world great southern you know Richard I think we could talk black and blue about your career because it's I mean I grew up with it and I mean as young as Mason is he even grew up with it too mm. um, but you also do have five beautiful kids it's correct. And you've been able to forge a, a, a massive, you know, successful career. I worry for myself about trying to be a man of the world. And oh, also, yeah. I'm 31, just turned 31. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old. But, I, but I feel moments where I... I, I feel a bit... Um, uh, I feel bad for wanting to chase my dreams so hard and also have the family. I'm, I don't think you should feel bad about that at all. I, ha- think, I think everybody feels that way one way or another. I, I, had an, I had a Down syndrome son. That's probably irrelevant, but I had Adam when I was 18. Um, met a 16-year-old schoolgirl, had sex for the first time. She mm. fell pregnant, we got married, we had a baby. He was Down syndrome. And I wrestled for a while as to what to, how to, what to do for him, with him. Mm because I had dreams too and um, you know the marriage didn't survive obviously no one said it would I tried to to, we both tried yeah Um, but eventually you know I put Adam in a in a home where we still saw him and took him out for weekends and you know and he ultimately went and lived with another family but I've never had him adopted or not that there's anything wrong with that Mm. but you know he's always been my son and I've always um, been a big part of his life and he and mine Um, but, you know, I, I sort of felt bad because I came to Australia. That was in New Zealand where Adam still is and we don't see each other nearly enough. But he, he loves it here. Um, he doesn't travel that well, so we don't see him here as much as we'd like to. Mm. Um, he's got his own space here and his own, you know. Um, he loves jumping in the pool and splashing around. Uh, well, that's but, another thing we want to talk about. Ben Forden has mentioned the two pools, but we'll oh, get to that in a second. Ben exaggerated. But I felt very guilty about you know putting my dreams ahead of Adam, if you like, because some people said, oh, no, the place for these children is in the home and you've got to mm. do this and do that and you're just shopping out your, you know, your responsibilities. And I, 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 did, I did wrestle with that. Mm. But, um, but ultimately, Adam is is better off because I, you know, got stuff out of my system and did what I want to do. I, I, and so, but yes, Adam got me started in that in a big way. So yeah. as your counselor here today, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't worry about wanting to be a good, good dad and chase your dreams. Amazing having a counselor at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, what is, if you were to say uh, Richard Wilkins rules to life. Richard w- Wilkins rules. Yeah, your rules to life. Two life or four life. Uh, 
for that. life. For life. So this is the rules for life. That's a book. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, so if you, were, Richards, you know, rules what, for life. What are some of those key things that are the non-negotiables for you? So family and all those things. How do you make sure that? Do you have little check-ins or stuff that you make sure that you do every week or every month or every day? Now you're making me feel very um, <laughs> unprepared for life. No, I don't. I mean, I don't have daily check-offs. So, I, I, you know, I want to be a good dad. That's, mm. that's the primary. What does that mean? What does being a good dad mean? Well, I guess it means knowing that your kids are all safe and secure and happy mm. um, and loved. And I do that with varying degrees of success you know I've spoken to my daughter today who's riding a horse down by Batemans Bay Christian's here haven't spoken to Adam Becky my daughter's uh, with her beautiful baby 80 month old child James her husband had his birthday yesterday um, you know Nick my son's working hard in, in an edit suite uh, making good television so you know they're all happy they're all doing their things That's, that, that gives me solace you know if there's something going on with one of the kids then that that's the sort mm. of stuff that makes me, keeps me up at night, if, if you like. But, uh, I th and then you've got to be happy in yourself. And you've got to be a good person. My mum was very wise and she always said, um, if, you, if you never tell a lie or if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. Mm. And that is a good adage for life, I think. You know, I, there was a time in my life when things were a bit crazy and you, you know, blah, 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 and you're telling someone this and someone else that and you have to remember, shit, what have I done here? Mm. But, you know, I love, I have no secrets. You know, Virginia and I, so I've got no secrets. No, just ask, ask me a question, I'll tell you the truth. And I, I think that's a good principle to I live love life it. by. I love it. There's an energy that comes with telling lies that mm. yeah, can bad, embody you and yeah. overtake you. Yeah. Has that been a learning? Is that I having so, to experience yeah. it before you sort of get to that point? Yeah, I mean, I've never done anything majorly wrong, but you tell a few little fibs along the way and then mm. they eat you up. And you, think, you tell one fib and you've got to tell a hundred more to cover up the first one. You know, we see that in court mm -hmm. every day, let alone in, in daily life. But no, I, I love having a, a good, pure life. And the older I get, the sort of purer I want to be. I just want to be a good guy I want to be happy in myself mm -hmm. healthy happy um, work hard um, be a good partner be a good father be a good friend build a happy home the older I get the less I like walking out the front door I tell you that you know yeah. I love mm. going to work <coughs> but I love being home too and this is my sanctuary here and uh, you know when people come in the front door they're always welcome and Good to welcome them in. It's always good to say, see you later. <laughs> is that, is that, um, is that uh, wrapping us up? We've got about 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I think you've got it dialed in. Like the, um, you've got the Sonos going, so you play the, the music that, uh, that you feel, love. I want to feel comfortable here. Mm. Do you have um, travel things that you do, each, every t routines, every time you travel, because you're doing it so much? Do you have... This is this is how I uh, when I go into a hotel room I do this. this well, we this. know it's Qantas that you're flying yeah. with. I, no, I do love Qantas. Um, Qantas, I've been flying Qantas. You know, we all have a favourite. That's mm. that's mine. They look after me. I've done a lot of you know stuff for them, corporate gigs and whatnot. Hosted the Good Day USA stuff that Qantas have been involved with for many years. Back in the day, I did a lot of brochure launches for Qantas Holiday, so I know a lot of the people there. Beautiful people. It's an awesome airline. Um, 
That was quite a good plug, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't that was amazing. We really can good. actually get yeah, that for you. How do we make money out of it? <laughs> well, no, well, no one's making any money, but it's lovely to walk on a flight. We'll I mean, take tickets. Seriously. <laughs> it's nice to walk on a plane, get, you know, in London or LA or something. Yeah. G'day, Mr. Wilkins, how are you going? You know, and you feel like you're halfway home. Mm. Yeah. Um, there is but, something about the kangaroo flying through the sky yeah. that even makes me feel, and I don't have Feels any like affiliation. home to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know who wrote that, don't you? Randy Newman wrote that song. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, Randy Newman's coming yeah. out here for a tour. Feels like okay, Yeah, it's a great beautiful song. song. Beautiful mm. song. Um, yeah, no, once upon a time, I used to... I was probably not busier, but I had more stuff, different stuff on the go. I'd have columns and things. and st- I, I used to put a lot of stuff into my travel kit, and I'd say, I'll write that on the plane, I'll read that on the plane, I'll listen to that on the plane. I'll. So by the time I got on the plane, I had a pile of stuff, and I'd sit there working away. And... Um, now I'm completely the opposite. I, when I get on that plane, <laughs> that's here's Virginia. Can I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you can. Come here, sweetheart. The boys are recording. Howdy. Come here, Hi. come here. Just come and kiss me for a sec. <laughs> we're right. Hi, we're, how you going? The boys are rolling and we're. Yeah, we can say hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm. You're gonna be how long? Ten minutes. Fifteen minutes. Okay. Won't Hi. You, won't hello, you, hello. Won't you have a drink? This is Josh and Tommy and Mason. 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 I have to drive and pick up kids. Are you going to go? In a minute. Okay, I'll see you up there soon. Um, sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, yeah, so the, you were talking about the fact that you used to be a bit, a bit busier. Now I, yeah, but now, I, now when I get on the plane, that is my time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally I'm knackered. And if I'm flying back from LA, the you know, QF12 leaves at 10.30 at night. And... By that time, you've had a f- full day's work and go to the lounge and have a. Sorry, I'm, you go to the lounge, <laughs> you, you, you have a drink and a you know some bite to eat, and sometimes I'm about three hours into the flight, my chair's you know still sort of straight upright. So, you know, I I, I just love relaxing on those flights now, watching, it, a, watching a movie or something. Is it a place that you can get work done, or you just disconnect? No, I don't. That's what is I'm saying. The opposite? Yeah, I just you just let the brain rattle away for a while, but then just switch off. Because normally I've got it, the QF12 lands at 6 o'clock and normally I just go straight to work and straight into Channel 9 and do stuff in there. So, um, yeah, the plane is my... As I, people always say, Michael Bublé said, Richard, now we're going to have dinner tonight. We're going to go out and have a few drinks and da-da-da-da and stay the night and then fly back to Australia tomorrow. And I said, no, Michael, we'll go out and have a few drinks and dinner. <laughs> then I'm going to the airport and I'm flying all the way back to Sydney. He said, you are crazy. I said, well, you've got to sleep somewhere. You might as well do it on the plane yeah, and wake up back home. But and he was the first, that was the first time with Michael that I, that I sort of did a turnaround on the same day. But um, it sort of works for me. Mm. You don't have time to get jet lag. What about the place that you switch on, you do your work? We've spoken to a lot of authors that I need to go away to this place and sit here and then have a bakery treat after. Otherwise, nothing gets done. It's interesting you say that because I learned something from Peter Fitzsimons, the um, very accomplished author who's married to Lisa Wilkinson, who, of course, I, I worked with for many years and been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, and Pete always says that when you, when you have... Because sometimes I can be lying in bed and, I've, and I can write a script in my head or an intro or this or that or some questions for an interview and it'll be so clear and you think, oh, yeah, I've got it. And you think, I'll be able to remember that. And you wake up in three hours and you've forgotten the whole damn thing. Mm. Whereas Pete always says, harvest the freshness. Mm. In other words, when he's writing and when, the, when it comes to him, which I think is normally in the morning, 
he just gets up, sits down, mm. bang, does it, and harvests the freshness. And that's, that was a great gift from him. And that's what I do. So in the middle of the night, if you're thinking, it also means you can get back to sleep without having to try. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so the first question to Michael yeah, Parkinson's yeah. got to be this. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, hoping to yeah. remember. That's yeah, when you which forget. Which you never do. <laughs> I've got this great idea for a late night show, yeah. yeah. Is there anything in life that you feel like you haven't done yet or that's on your list that you want to do? I haven't had dinner tonight. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, pretty hungry. No, I, um, no, I'm not really. Um, sorry, I was trying to be smart. Uh, look, there's a lot, of, a lot I want to do. You know, I want to produce a movie. I've got a couple of ideas. I've got a lot of friends who make films. It's, that's something I'd like to do. I, like, I love working in television. I like the daily thing. You know, I see friends of mine who do make movies and make records, and, um, and I'm not that sort of person, you know, who have something and over a period of a year or 18 months they create it and they polish it and they make it shine and bang there it is um you know i've made this movie but you know i'm 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 working in an industry where we it's a different skill set but you we're churning stuff out mm. on, a, on a daily basis you know when we come to that movie and go, oh that was a lot of crap um <laughs> that's, it took me a year and a half. yeah um no but it's you know, i love the, the pace of what what i do and i you know sometimes i've feel like I should slow down a bit having done it for a while but other times I think well I'm just getting the knack of this now I enjoy talking to people I think that's my favorite thing you mm. know doing a nice doing a good sit down interview with you know a Bruce Springsteen or or Paul McCartney or, or one of the icons of the or Neil Finn or Mick Fleetwood who I interviewed the other day Brian Brown or Sam or you know all of the, the I guess the people who've got a few more miles you know on the belt I'm, I'm interested in their journey and you know how they got started and what they did with the disappointments and hiccups along the way so I, you know I love talking to people and finding out what makes them tick do you still have like moments where you have to pinch yourself 30 years in no I've never really done that in fact maybe I should more because sometimes I don't take it for granted but you know I, we flew to London recently Actually, Virginia and I, she's got... Well, I flew to London recently and did a... We, we were in France, so it wasn't that far. But, um, <laughs> but going to London, and we had a couple of hours with Sir Michael for a special on, on the Nine Network. And I obviously prepared for it, but you can only prepare so much because you, you don't want to just ask a series of questions on a, on a piece of paper mm. and a list. So you've got to be prepared to duck and weave and go with the tide, mm. depending on how the conversation's flowing. But, you know, being so well prepared, or so, so prepared, if you like, uh, when he finally walks in, you go, hello, lad, how you doing? So, Sir Michael, lovely to see you, sir. And it's not a pinch yourself moment. You realize you're in the presence of greatness, but yeah. because you've, you're prepared and you're sort of confident, it's, it's not a pinch yourself moment. It's really, there's a job of work to be done, yeah. lad. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're both pros and you get on with it. Yeah. What well, is... Yeah, I was just going to say, what does prepared mean to you? Prepared means um, taking your fun seriously, you know, being, being, reading your notes, making notes, thinking of, you know, if, if I ask him this and he says that, then where would I go after that and what would be the follow-up after that? And how, because you don't just want to ask stuff that, you know, you've read in the newspaper and asked mm. the same questions because mm. you know what you're going to get the answer. You want to, you know, challenge him and yourself and, and you know, 
do something interesting mm. that that's good for both of you. Richard Wilkins, thank you so much. <coughs> You've been so generous letting us oh. sit at your bar and and have a chat. We love having conversations too, and this is yeah. another one of them. Well, good luck with the with the podcast. You're welcome to more soda water. Oh, thank you, thank you. Another half a glass of Pinot. Or yeah, well, no, I'm definitely tipsy. Having you in the funny farm. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I don't think you can say funny farm anymore. Sorry about that. Really? Um, no, what is it? No, it's, no, it's an institution for people with uh, problems. Okay. Or uh, something. Or, it, or not problems. Uh, I can reset. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Richard, uh, thank you guys. Hey, listen, thanks. It's <laughs> thanks, been, thanks it's, it's been It's been great. Thanks so much, Richard. It's a daily talk show. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com. If you want to send us an email, you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. See you guys. Catch you.